on par that everyone would know and go ape shit over. And I said Master Puppets, and then I was immediately like, no, we can't do that. And everyone was like, and I was like, uh-oh. So they responded to you in Metallica's voice? <laughs> they were like, girl, girl, <laughs> master. That's the kind of thing I can't do anymore because I'm now voice disabled. Yeah, you're falling faster. Y'all see? Well, that was pretty clear. I can at least do. Creed. Obey your master. Y'all see? I'm doing a little Creed. This yeah, is a Creed that's a Metallica. Scott Stapp thing going on. More like Scott Strap. It's right there. Fucking nailed it. Love to hear it. Um, Can we just do Limp Biscuit shit all day? <sighs> Fine. You okay with some music? You like a little Limp Biscuit? Sure. You like a little Biscuit? Yeah. Yeah? Some loud? Yeah. I used to listen to this back in the day. This is hot. Oh <laughs> my god, that is nice. Fuck, that that's nice. nice. That's nice. Uh, here we go, baby. Um, you and me we're through. Enraged. Uh, <laughs> wow. We are going to sing our way through this entire episode. <laughs> Welcome to our first musical episode of the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. I'm, I'm Dan Durst. <laughs> Sick. And uh, I can't talk too long. I got to poo. <laughs> Uh, today you just we've... can't talk too long in general. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm limited today in my my breadth, but I'm going to do the best I can for you guys. I've been saving my voice up for this very occasion. Um, oh, and now I got to delete my first note because it just said I got to poo. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be covering the masterpiece question mark um, the fanatic directed by Fred Durst from a story by Fred Durst. Um, and if you actually haven't opened your eyes or uh, breathed any breaths. If you're dead and you haven't realized who Fred Durst is at this point, Dan, you want to fill us in? Yeah, Fred Durst is uh, the antagonist of the recent Woodstock 99 documentary (laughs) featured on Hulu. Uh, The new Marvel villain, Fred Durst, (laughs) introduced on HBO Max this past weekend. Uh, Yeah, Fred Durst is uh, the guy at Woodstock 99 that they booked to play on night three after giving fucking half a million people no water. Um, on behest of the new single that was a hit nationwide called Break Stuff, mm. and then 20 years later made a movie about how unfathomable it is that that entire crowd then, in response, decided to, in fact, break some stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we could cartwheel into the Woodstock 99 documentary um, now streaming on HBO Max. Um, oh, yeah, I said Hulu. Fuck them. It is, uh, in fact, one of the most um, slanted, jaded, bizarrely, like, too current to be about something from the 90s commentary on the 90s. Yeah. Um, when Moby's your protagonist, you've you've, <laughs> you've gone the wrong direction. You've gone vegan. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um... I guess a lot of people are talking about Fred Durst now, but Dan and I are both uh, aficionados of yeah. Mr. Durst's work many years back. Yeah, you um, bunch of posers. I, uh, myself, got the album Significant Other um, outside of an Abercrombie at the Montgomery Mall, um, and it was a life-changing moment for me. Oh, yeah. Um, I had to get it censored because I was still too Ooh, young, and I was with my mom. Rough. However, um, I was impressed with uh, the CD itself looked like a UFO. I always thought that yeah, was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I probably listened to that album probably 175,000 times. Um. <laughs> I was um, I had I had uh, an interest in Fred Durst as a boy um, at the tender age of eight. I got the Corn uh, album "Follow the Leader." which features a track called All in the Family, in mm. which John Davis and Fred Durst rap battle mm. and say about, like, lot. sucking each other's dad's dicks. <laughs> it's 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 a very bizarre song. <laughs> if you, uh, whenever... <laughs> whenever it's they, a great song. They uh, recently, bizarre. They yeah, recently sure. did, like, a 25-year retrospective on that album or something, um, a big uh, in-depth interview, uh-huh. with, and, John, and they asked John Davis about it. And he was basically like, yeah, we were on a pound of cocaine <laughs> in the studio, literally with women everywhere. Just awesome. Blowing like multiple dude, multiple women blowing each of us at once. And Fred and I were like, wouldn't it be funny if we went into the studio <laughs> and just fucking spit fired each other. And somehow it ended us with sucking each other's dad sticks at the end of the show. I like spit roasted. So when I, so when I was eight, this intrigued me. Mm. <laughs> And, um, you know, Limp Bizkit was starting to get some traction. The Faith video came out, but I, even as a boy, hated George Michael, so that meant nothing to me. Wow. But then Nookie came out. Wow. And that, that big, really... Big sp- day in Dan Endon's life. Yeah. Let me tell you yeah. guys. Yeah, TRL really fucking shoved <laughs> that down my throat. Um, <laughs> so I distinctly... I've actually brought this story up on the pod mm. before. Um, I was sitting at dinner with my grandparents and some extended family. My parents, um, they asked what I was looking for for Hanukkah, my birthday, which fall on the same time. I said, basically, I just want a bunch of CDs. I listed the CDs. The ones I wanted were Blink-182, Enema of the State, mm. um, Limp Bizkit, Significant Other, mm. Kid Rock, Devil Without a Cause. Oh, my God. Um, the holy trinity. Yeah, to which my dad... <laughs> With outrage, slammed his fist on the table and told my grandparents they will not, under any circumstances, due to my age, purchase me the Kid Rock album. Wow. Because in the song Cowboy, he refers to police officers as pigs. <sighs> the other two were guys totally fair game. If you were ever looking for a superhero origin story for Dan <laughs> this is a quintessential scene from that uh, right. tableau. Yeah. So I went home. I stewed. but this is where the anger started sure enough on hanukkah that's how the anger starts master wayne sure enough on hanukkah i opened that bad boy up significant other was right in there (laughs) i also got a nice new fancy surround uh uh simulated surround sound boom box from the local sam's club okay and man i started that bitch that significant other just like this oh my god and 
Oh, my fucking balls dropped yeah. that moment, friends. Your, your GPA dropped that moment in your future. <laughs> boy, boy, oh boy, did that album do it for me. And um, then, and then, oh dear no. listener, okay, yeah. everyone waited with bated breath to see what could come next. And then they dropped Roland. Yeah, I mean, my God. And my fucking God, <laughs> all I wanted was to be old enough to have a driver's license so that I could fucking drive a car while listening to that song. Um, yeah, Limp Bizkit uh, was huge for me. And then, like, I-, I remember the first of many battles I've had in my life over defending rap pop music. One of them happened when I was very young. People were like, Limp Bizkit is trash. Limp Bizkit has no rap cred, and then that fucking Method Man shit drops. Oh, oh my god! And shit, together are now, you fucking kidding that me? Was, that was the moment. That dude. was when that music Limp, video. Yeah, yeah I mean, with all the samurai swords, they're fucking running on the wall. That music video was a film. That yeah, I will unbelievable watch for life. Who could be the boss? Look up to the cross, stranded <laughs> in, in the, the land, land of the lost. lost. That was both of us yeah. being Fred Durst. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously both of <laughs> us. <laughs> Method Man doesn't rap for like three minutes in that song. And then no, no, out of nowhere, he just comes in just spinning fire. They call me Big John uh, Stubb, my middle name Mud. I'm, I'm actually getting chills. Yeah, dude, what but a it, fucking it's killer It's probably pack. from Delta. Like, yes, Limp Bizkit, not a top shelf metal band. Not a top shelf no. rap band. Yeah, no. But a blending of vibes unparalleled. God. And I have spent the last 20 years being ridiculed for <laughs> listening to Limp Bizkit unironically. Same. And the time has come, dude. Both we, Dan and I's bands have both covered Limp Bizkit at this point. Yeah. Um, it's, we, it's a thing. The amount of time that I have spent just saying... Everything goes in cycles. We had our 80s nostalgia. Yeah. We had Here our we... 90s nostalgia. <sighs> Eventually God. it's coming and the time has fucking come. Dan and goddamn it, HBO top. Max is trying to fucking shut it down. They're trying to ruin this for me and I won't have it. Yeah, I mean the the Wokarazzi on freaking <laughs> HBO Max are trying to uh eliminate um the power and profundity of fred durst's work and we are here to put that image back together because while there might be a slump from them having canceled their entire tour and um kind of <laughs> which that's a whole other story <laughs> falling back into the ether um we have decided to press forward yeah um and as good soldiers of the durst army we needed to review his other um forms of media which apparently he has made three films. Yes, uh, we have The Education of Charlie Rose. I've seen that. Starring what? Jesse Eisenberg. What is that again? Um, I for sure went out of my way and watched that when I found out it was Fred Durst. Yeah, that's a movie where Jesse Eisenberg's like bullied by someone and something happens. Man, it's really jogging my memory. I mean, all right, there's always next season. Yeah, um, um, but and then there was another... There was another movie starring John Travolta. The name escapes me. It was a sports movie. It was he about... did another movie starring John Travolta. Yes. Um, oh, is that the racing? Um... Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, we should probably do that one because in many of the reviews that I read of this movie, they referenced this being better than that. So definitely got to check that. That's one funny because the one review I read called this a significant downgrade from that. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. So this is kind of like a melding of many things, um, be it our Travolta interests from Face Off, be it our lifelong obsession with Fred Durst, be it my affinity for Devin Sawa. Uh, yes, Devin Sawa, star of this movie. Um, Who it, it never occurred to me when you, you told me that Devin Sawa starred in this, 
that I hadn't seen him in a movie in 20 years and mm-hmm. that what I'd be presented with was <laughs> like an older yes extremely fucking shredded yeah just shredded gravelly voice Liam Neeson-esque fucking need Devin him Sala. in more of everything after I, seeing him in this I am shocked at that man's aging curve he's uh <sighs> He looks pretty rough, yeah. but like in a in a Mickey Rourke yeah. pre-accident, but still very gruff way. I mean, for years I've been saying we need to do the movie Bang Bang You're Dead. In yeah, you've mentioned where that. Devin Sawa is a. It's basically like the premise is his his school is putting on a play about school shooting, and he in turn decides to shoot up the school during uh-huh. it. Um, so, uh, yeah, our, uh, to watch list just grew within seconds. And, um, beyond that, um, I think it's time for us to get into the fanatic, but before we do so, we have the fantastic segment, 30 seconds longer than we usually last a 60 second free talk for either of us to talk about anything that we want. Um, it's set to the Jeopardy music. Dan is deeply vested in Jeopardy. I'm going to be shocked if he doesn't talk about the Jeopardy host situation. I'm not talking about the Jeopardy host situation. But, um, Dan, would you like to take it away? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Let's go. All right. So yesterday, you know, it's a nice Friday evening. Decide to go out to our local watering hole, um, get a cocktail, get some food. We walk there as one who lives in a city does. Mm. It's hot. It's humid. We get there, and what I'm greeted with is a big sign on the door that says, I will not be allowed access without my vaccine card. Um, I checked the website prior. It did not say that this was going to be the case. And I'm sitting there being, man, what a reasonable request for an indoor dining facility. I guess we got to turn around and get our vaccine card. And you know what I did not do? is go home on Facebook and compare this to Nazi Germany. Um, I turned around. I went home. I took a picture of my card. I came back. I enjoyed a nice meal. No part of me felt oppressed by my government. No part of me felt like I was being singled out and, uh, you know, segregated. I think everyone should do what they will with that information. <laughs> but I've noticed a pattern of people handling this situation otherwise. Wow. And, and, you know, if you have the vaccine card, it's not a big deal. It's not like people are take, taking your biometric data. Mm. Just fucking show the picture of the card. The local waitress at your local fucking microbrewery doesn't give a shit about your medical history. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Um, are you going to a concert today where you have to present it, though? I am. So you're going to, you got it on you. Uh, I have it on me, but it's kind of degrading a little bit because I, I assumed when we got the vaccine, I got mine in the first uh, range of people because of what I do for work. Mm-hmm. And I've carried it on me all the time because I assumed there was going to be a point where I was just going to have to show them. That mm-hmm. never happened until like last week. Wow. And at this point, it's been in my wallet for fucking six months. Um, so, which means it doesn't work anymore, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's fine. It's just a fucking piece of paper. You know, when you get into a car, mm. a lot of times you have to show your driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see how that's any different. There's all sorts of documentation we need to enter places all the fucking time. Wow. Dark, man. That that ran a little over 60 seconds and I should have stopped you, but... I don't care. I'm fucking tired of people comparing shit to Nazi Germany. It's out of control. 
Um, man, I didn't really think ahead on this one. I mean, I guess in the same vein, um, the vaccine card thing has hit my work. Um, as many of our dear listeners may know, my workplace is right-leaning <laughs> to the most extreme degree you yeah. could imagine. Um, lately, uh, I went in and um, a couple of people who occupy the same space as me um, were making vaccine cards on their own cardstock um, and cutting them up. Um, everything's been going good. No one's gotten vaccinated except for me. Um, and then suddenly out of nowhere, Dave Carl vaccinated Dave most Republican man alive Kevin Smith enthusiast Kevin Smith enthusiast absolutely um and um, we're going to talk more about him today which is why he's the star of my 30 seconds longer than I usually last um Dave Carl um not the smartest man in the world (laughs) um actually pretty bad dude um but he did it first and now everyone's kind of shocked and doesn't know what to do with themselves so um, real trailblazer. Yeah, man. Um, Dave, re- give it up for Dave. Refused to, refuses to answer why he got it. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I think things are changing. I think nature's finally returning. Dave was trying to preemptively get a jump on making sure he's allowed into the midnight screening of Clerks 3. <laughs> it's a nice uh, iced red eye Seagram's escapes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an iced red eye Seagram's escape um yeah i uh, <laughs> i'm drinking a, a, a wawa coffee flavored Seagram's <laughs> escape uh yum thanks Seagram's to our sponsor Zip happiness uh <clears throat> i'm drinking the uh the sore throat <laughs> java flavor <laughs> The pick me up. I do have what some. What if you go to the doctor and find out that that's what's fucked up about your throat? Well, and how are how is he going to make that distinction? I don't know. I mean, one time when I had my stomach issue several years ago, they figured out that it was because of all the limeritas I was drinking. Wow. Correction: strawberries. Fucking overshare. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, t- <laughs> I drank half a case of limeritas in the parking lot of a Metallica concert and got sick for three months. <laughs> These are the these are the kind of things that um, our hardworking frontline workers are trained to deal with. You know yeah. what I mean? This is what they're for. Yeah. These this is the and you know I wasn't the only person in the parking lot doing that. There was a whole slew of people drinking half a case of the limeritas, but those people are worried about a vaccine in their body. <laughs> those people actually all died from the limeritas. <laughs> you were the only survivor. Yeah. Um, today I, we will. I trusted the medical profession to give me guidance. Jesus Christ. Delete. Um, no, I'm here to talk shit and alienate <laughs> anyone who's fucking doing this bullshit right now. I would like to continue going to concerts, please. Right. Just um, stay the fuck home. Guys, um, back in season, I think, two at this point, we started discussing something called the coronavirus. Uh, it was supposed to go away for Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> now we are at a uh, at a, a crossroads of a sociopolitical civil war. Um over whether it's proper uh, to wear a mask. Yeah, and... it's been three and a half fucking seasons <laughs> since the time that we were like, all right, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this coronavirus thing. Um, I was not aware when I started this podcast that at its apex, it would become a time capsule for a global genocide. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, today we're going to talk about the movie The Fanatic, directed by Fred Durst. No, no, Fanatic. The... The Fanatic. 
Really? Yes, sir. I thought it was just fanatic. Incorrect. Wow. And I'm going to die on that, even okay. though I'm not looking at anything other than my own notes. Okay. Um, uh, the fanatic um, <laughs> slash fanatic yeah, uh, overseas. On, hooked um, on fanatics. And uh, <laughs> the fanatic, but I, I spelled it P-H. You just, it's an audio medium. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, For those of you who got COVID in AC this past weekend. I will start this episode now. Um, the fanatic, uh, starring John Travolta and yes, Devin Sawa, but also starring John Travolta. Uh, <laughs> had his uh, most just fucking retarded. And his most um, PSRB. <laughs> it's an I am Sam situation today, guys. It's um, a Gili situation. Yeah, it's a Goodwill hunting situation. <laughs> we are, in fact, now covering by accident, I swear. I swear it. Mostly movies that deal with mental illness and or disability. <laughs> It's because both of our um, respective others work in the social working field, and we're trying to respect that. Yes, it's because of that, not that we're both not just deeply psychologically troubled. (laughs) Um, Neither of us are on the spectrum. So uh, you're not on the spectrum unless you go to the doctor and have them tell you that. Yeah, exactly. And Uh, what what you don't know. I mean, personally, I wasn't until I got this fucking Biden shot recently. (laughs) Biden shot. Uh, too many lime readers, buddy. Um, I swear to God, I'm going to start this episode. It's going to be about the fanatic. And so you get caught up with what that is and entails. Here, dear listener, is the trailer. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Dunbar. Is Hunter Dunbar here tonight? That's enough. I need to get an autograph. Don't let him do this to me. I'm a fan. I'm a number one fan. (laughs) Is it difficult to find famous people's houses? I use my star map app. You have to be careful. I don't want you to be accused of stalking. Hey, you can't just come to my private residence looking for me. Listen, pal, I don't know how you found me, but I don't ever want to see you in this neighborhood again. That was the trailer to The Fanatic 2019, yeah. <laughs> starring 2009's homage to the film Stalker. <laughs> um, as you can probably glean from that trailer, um, this is a story in which John Travolta is stalking Devin Sawa, who plays the character Hunter Dunbar, a successful, attractive, gristled, um, L.A. dwelling superstar question mark maybe he wasn't i think maybe a mid-level actor yeah what would you compare him to maybe devin sawa <laughs> no he's above devin sawa he's like god who would you compare him to i don't know in the like, scope of this film who's in like shitty thomas action? jane yeah yeah nah. like someone who's like just in action movies and fucking 
uh, horror, shitty horror movies. Like Bruce Willis's current career, but in like a much younger man. Yeah. He's like... Frank Grillo. That's someone you probably don't know, but Frank Grillo is actually a pretty good one, uh, guess okay. for this. So, yeah, he's... Like he's, someone who would be signing autographs at your local, like, comic book slash memorabilia yes. shop. Maybe, like, in a star of an NCIS ripoff. Of yeah. Sorts. Or, like... Oh, dude, you know who... He's like a, like a Nathan Fillion. He is... Yes... Not in looks or personality of any kind, but career level. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe slightly less. Anyway, um, <laughs> maybe Devin Sawa is a good answer. <laughs> Nobody fucking knows who Devin Sawa is. I know. Um, star of Idle Hands. Shout out. Star great of movie. Final Destination 1. Oh, my God. Great, great, great movie. Um, Allie Larder. Cherry Hill, New Jersey, local native. Cannot go wrong with Cherry Hill. Tell you that now. Yeah. Um, so this movie takes place in Los Angeles. Um, it city is, of Angels. Or as the stilted narration says, the city of bullshitters. Um, yeah, right off the bat, you're hit with the bad narration. I mean, for me, the low point of this movie is its narration. Yes. I, um, I told you I have three notes. One of them is that I have never seen a movie less served by voiceover narration in my life. It's very, uh, like, unfiltered sounding and very soap opera-ish. It's very much just, just like... strangely transitional. Yeah, I mean, it's just all wrong. And entirely unnecessary. It's, like, it, it's all these, like, weird platitudes. The movie would be significantly better without it. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, yes, things are happening in L.A. LA that are dangerous. And then you have, like, a shot of the city skyline for 30 seconds. And she's just like, L.A., a place where your dreams turn into poison. Yeah. And your poison turns into wine. And, and that wine is spilled on the city streets. And it'll literally just be like, John Travolta's character is named Moose. And it's like, <laughs> I never would have done it if I knew Moose was going to be such a fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much of that, too. Where... Like, as if we can't tell from Jump Street that every piece of information gained by Moose is going to lead to him being a fuck up. Um, Moose. Let's start there, because that is really our, our window into this film and the first person that we fully meet, and that is John Travolta. Um, quick description for yeah, everybody. Star of Pulp Fiction. You should do some Googling just to see some of the outfits and looks that he's serving in this movie. Um, but I would describe it as he has a, a silver-gray mohawk, or no, not a mohawk. Mullet. Mullet with the sides yeah, shaved with, off. Yes. Um... Uh, he's typically dressed like Ace Ventura, <laughs> um, but with a strong learning disability. Um, and that learning disability is projected in his tiny shorts and his high belted waistlines. He's and dressed like when you go to like a dive bar in Pennsylvania and see a really shitty bar cover band made up of like 55 year olds and one of them's wearing a button down that's covered in nothing but like guitars. <laughs> but it's also the vibe of like a six year old going to Walmart to take school photos <laughs> yeah. or something. It's also yeah. very like childish and bizarre. He always has like a tiny backpack. Yeah. Um, We're never given any concrete insight into what his ailment is that leads to that like makes him act the way he is it's, mm. it's much he, like another movie i watched for this week yeah he's <laughs> he's just vaguely disabled 
Um, yeah, uh, John Travolta is vaguely disabled. They Sorry, never... I, I've recently been told that disabled is yeah is not PC anymore as well. Unabled? I don't know because they're you know <laughs> it's not it's that not was to a Im- joke. It's not to imply that they're uh, they have any lack of ability, despite that's that being clearly the case. <laughs> um, John Travolta. They don't use any a words to describe him they don't talk about him being on the bloop strum i think you can say spectrum oh dan they don't talk about spectrum mobile they don't talk about um really defining it and making it known so it's kind of hard they don't do you the favors that g league does where they just drop hard r's every other g league's was so much more offensive than this um really was bad i feel uh like i don't want to talk ever again about that (laughs) that performance was very troubling whereas um john travolta's performance in this film you could take the easy route and say yes he has gone full retard yeah that's that's the that is a you know metric to which now actors are held to um for performances of people who are disabled mentally he went for physically it. He, he wanted he to, went for it he wanted to deliver for his director now i have read a lot of reviews of this movie and i've seen a lot of bad but really bad john travolta movies in my past current and probably future um this wasn't one of them i am all in on this man's performance i think that he really did it in this movie it was nuanced it was funny it was endearing at times it was empathetically drawn it was it was brave very brave i mean in 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 a a multitude of ways for travolta who could easily just be cashing paychecks doing drek like everybody else in his age bracket who maybe cannot hold an actually artistically satisfying career bruce willis looking at you again um and um yeah, uh, I I loved his performance in this movie. I thought it was just completely wild. And it was nice to see him getting back in his old face-off jammies <laughs> of complete insanity. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's for me, the central performance worked absolutely. And it was highlighted with, like, really interesting scene transitions where there were, like, interesting kind of street art style drawings of his character going through various levels of trauma i found that while it was meant to be disgusting and bizarre and and you're meant to be equal parts like revolted and scared of this guy i found him more likable and more relatable than devin sawa's character um he's kind of playing like he's not that far off from like Ryan Reynolds in voices. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds wasn't retarded in voices. <laughs> um, he was just insane schizophrenic. Like, I don't think, and that's an interesting thing because, like, I don't think that Moose in this movie is a psycho killer at all. Right. I think this is a comedy of errors that show a disabled person who is kind of isolated from having any help doesn't have any family to take care of him and has become very toxically kind of Asperger's obsessed with movies with Hollywood 
Um, that all I found very interesting. Um, also, as like a movie nerd, um, it's not lost on me uh, to have a scene in a movie where John Travolta, dressed like a retard, is bleeding on the actual Walk of Fame. Yeah, um, right. Like, there is some heavy-handed, meta, interesting Hollywood commentary in this movie that I always appreciate in movies that we've done for this podcast and beyond. Yeah, um, I was. I I also agree. I thought Travolta's performance was yeah. was great. Um, what with <laughs> what he had to work with. There's, there's, there's a lot to be said about the fact that like someone, um, including Fred Durst, took the time to write this movie and see it through. Um, but no, Travolta went for it. And I was, A, surprised that someone, I mean, say what you will about what's become of his career, but that sure. someone of his stature was <laughs> willing to do this and go for it this hard on a movie that is clearly a B picture. Right. But... Just the thought of John Travolta putting the work into developing this character for, like, Fred Durst as a movie creator. It's, it's wild. So fucking bizarre. Imagine, like, Fred Durst, what a fucking <laughs> lotto ticket winner that guy is. That um, dude has directed John Travolta and Jesse Eisenberg in feature films. I mean... I guess what... I guess Shout out East Brunswick High School, Jesse Eisenberg. I guess it's worth to talk about it up front before we go back to um, John Travolta and the general plot of the movie. Dan, what did you think about the direction of this film, minus the narration? I I was pleasantly surprised that this looked like a real movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 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 I jotted down that it is truly unfathomable to me that with whatever resources Fred Durst was given for this, he has made a movie that looks infinitely better than any Kevin Smith movie. Hard same. Um, Hard same. And I would assume this movie was made that like maybe cheaper than the past few Kevin Smith movies. Fred Durst is an auteur. I mean, I don't know who was the DP on this. I don't know how much, help he was getting with the camera work <laughs> but there were there were choices made in this movie this yeah. lo- this was a real movie it, it was a real movie it was sure. not a good movie mm. but it was a real movie um it was made as a real movie for sure yeah and it's got some interesting music cues you mentioned the street art thing mm-hmm. as trans it's got, it got some really it, it's just got like a nice indie picture indie thriller vibe yes that has some beats that that were really good and you know the voiceover narrator character is like moose's friend who within 10 minutes it's be clear it becomes clear that there is no rationale by which she should continue interacting with this person but she can't help herself Mm. um the the ultimate resolution of this movie is fucking ridiculous Mm. especially her her just like being okay with how it all plays out um but I think if you removed that character from the movie entirely, I would be inclined to say that this is a good movie. You know, I I, I, I didn't um, think that is interesting. I, I didn't think personally about what the movie would have been like without that character. Um, and now that you say that, it's very strong, um, very strong decision. Like that would be really good because there was just uh, the narration is one thing but also I would assume that the character of Leah who is kind of a paparazzi 
photographer in the LA area who narrates the movie and is friends with Moose um, and watches his decline into becoming a murderer and an insane person on top of being mentally disabled. Um, she, the, t the things that were unfortunate about her is that A, she was extremely mean to Moose at all times. Um, she was always calling him like an idiot and like really talking down to him like Does everybody it, else in the movie. Yeah, um, but to be fair, he was an idiot. Yeah. I've also recently but, been told idiot's not okay to say anymore, and I just won't have that. But the point, yeah, I don't know if calling a disabled person an idiot, that's not okay. No, but I'm, I'm just saying in general. But just idiot in general. Yeah, I, I called someone an idiot on Reddit, and they said that was ableist. Oh my God, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Um, More like disabledist. That is fucking poppycock. Um, <laughs> um, that that is John Travolta doing his British uh, accent at at one point yeah, in the movie. We're introduced to a character that he does <laughs> on the Hollywood Strip with a mustache, where he dresses up <laughs> like an old style London cop and just says like poppycock in like a really, really, really ridiculous accent. And they double down on it. It is like a quarter of the movie yeah. he's doing that character. I mean, just the issue <laughs> with the character of Leah is that a she's supposed to her through her voiceover and her random in in and out. It's like, she's basically like Chris Walken and Geely where she just enters a room and leaves real quick. Um, she's kind of like the moral barometer of the film, but she but her, herself is just like a shitty character. Yeah, and, and a shitty person. And just an exceptionally tangential character. Like, right. why, like why would... She was not the, consequential to the plot other than introducing him to an app yeah. that enabled him to Yeah, she shows him star maps. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, like, you don't want a movie narrated by a completely tangential character. Like, no. she's not central to the plot at all. She just wanders her way in and out. Right. It, it's just a bizarre choice. Well, that piss it, It's like Fred Durst was like, oh, her voice is pretty. We should have her speak. No, I, I, I assume the idea behind the whole thing is just like, oh, well, you can't just have him be the central character. You need somebody who's going to endear us to him, potentially. Right, but, like, she doesn't. She doesn't. So, so like, if you just removed it's her just entirely, what we have is, like, an actual, like, psychological thriller. Yeah. Like, that really goes all in on one vibe, hmm. which that I appreciate, where her existence was just totally, completely inconsistent. I agree, but I don't think it quite handicapped the movie to the extent that maybe you did i still found this to be a good movie i'm leaning towards the i enjoyed this movie quite a bit um area because it just like had so much for me personally to love i don't think like this is the kind of movie that any person would appreciate per se i think it's more of a movie that i really like because of its weirdness and the fact that it went out on a limb more than several times to be bizarre as yeah. fuck and gross and really self-deprecating to John Travolta. I always love it when actors kind of can laugh at themselves yeah. after the amount of dumb shit that they've put us through. Um, it's fine to have a movie where you're kind of just like being absurd. Um, I just found all the exposition very contrived and ham-fisted. Like, yes, it was basically like, we need a way to get from point A, which is that John Travolta is obsessed with this particular actor, Hunter Dunbar, to a place where he feels wronged by him. And the way that he gets wronged by him is that Hunter Dunbar is making an appearance to do signings and his Hunter Dunbar's ex-wife shows up to be like, hey, you forgot to watch the kid today. 
and he's like, hey, I'm inside doing my job, signing a bunch of autogra autographs. This is how I make money. And then he's so angry by the interaction with his wife that takes about seven seconds that he decides to just bail on the whole thing and refuses to sign any of Travolta's shit. Where, like, I'd like to think that any person in that situation would just sign the fucking psycho's jacket who's following him around just to get him to go away. Not just, like, bail sure. on a fucking line of people lined up around the block to sign, sign shit. And then, like, the jump from there to I'm going to go hide in this man's closet is... <laughs> And, I mean, I don't know how much we want to give away, but, like... Well, I mean, look, it, it's the it's the age-old story that you see in a movie like King of Comedy or Joker. Um, it's a little bit like Cape Fear at times. Um, <laughs> same caliber of acting going on in the central <laughs> performance. Um, and... Um, so if you know that kind of formula, you can guess where it's going. It's yeah. also very similar to Misery um, in, in many yeah. ways, um, and especially in its third act. Um, it's it's a creepy stalker psycho movie with, um, I would argue, very compelling, interesting characters and a lot of really good meta commentary on fame, on obsession, on being learning disabled, on being mistreated on but like john travolta is learning disabled every other character in this movie acts as irrationally as he does at all times devin sawa's decision making in this film is unfathomable to me why um i don't know like he, he's being assaulted and stalked by john travolta i know but i think like... he acts within a realm i mean it at, i would assume as an actor like that that he don't shoots want john travolta's hand off with a shotgun that was awesome stabs him directly spoiler in the alert. eyeball this is huge spoiler and alert. then lets him just leave right that makes no sense that was the only part of the movie that made no sense to me and just like the housekeeper i don't know if he was in shock the, the it was very weird the housekeeper that john travolta fucking kills unintentionally that ultimately ends up being Hunter Dunbar's downfall like I just found the ending completely unsatisfying and pointless mm. like it was all this build up it was like a straw dogs vibe at times and then like this build up is they have their big final confrontation that's very suddenly violent I'm like alright this is what this movie was trying to be mm -hmm. and then it's trying to depict that Hunter Dunbar has this like change of heart lets him go after shooting him and then Hunter Dunbar himself ends up going down for all of Travolta's crimes, and the voiceover narration is like, she's like, what I'm really worried about is the housekeeper. Hmm. And then you're reminded that for like four seconds, 20 minutes earlier, John Travolta murdered a woman in cold blood. Mm -hmm. And they never found her. Yeah, she's and, then, in the backyard. and then Hunter Dunbar gets blamed for it. Right. Like, he, the cops show up to his house. Like, Travolta, I don't care about spoiling it. No one's gonna watch this fucking movie. Like, I recommend you watch this movie. Travolta breaks into hunter dunbar's house one night uh hunter dunbar takes a bunch of xanax to go to sleep which allows john travolta to like kiss his face while he's <laughs> sleeping and shit and take pictures smell his earwax yeah posting it all over social media then he shows back up and fucking ties him up with a bunch of bungee cords so that he can like reenact famous horror movie scenes with him which i found great and he sure does yeah. do that including um he does what he describes as jigsawing him. Yeah. Where John Travolta 
after Devin Sawa has been knocked out, um, lies in a pool of fake blood next to the bed. Yeah. Uh, so that when Devin Sawa wakes up, John Travolta is next to him cut in a pool of blood and he looks at him, he starts freaking out. And then John Travolta gets up and is just like, <laughs> You jigsaw. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> yeah. All of that was hilarious. Like Amazing. Th- like there was so much in this movie for me to latch onto, but like at the end of the day, Hunter Dunbar didn't do anything wrong in this movie at all. Yeah. Besides be like kind of a shitty ex-husband. Well, he was arguably also in to answer your further criticism about like, why didn't he just sign the thing? The whole point, especially up front in the movie, when there's a quote from Hunter Dunbar that starts the movie that says that we're nothing without fans. He then proceeds to act 180 degrees in the other direction. And I think it's as much a criticism of toxic fandom as it is of celebrity culture and how celebrities don't actually give a shit about the people who are propping them up and doing all these things for them. They're more concerned with, you know, banging the maid and being an asshole to your kids and being a piece of shit. Agreed. In general. But they gave him his redemption moment by him deciding to let John Travolta go when he was about to murder him and he doesn't call the cops. I'm not sure that was a redemption. Dude, he has the moment where he's looking at him. He's thinking about the conversations that they just had. And rather than just call the cops, which any rational person would do when someone just held you hostage in your own house and you won, he just lets him go. And then his repercussions is that he goes, he gets arrested for a murder that he didn't commit. And the voiceover narrator, this chick, what's her name? Leah. Mm. She's basically over the over speaking over the film, just being like, eh, well, he went down for, but you know, at least Moose is okay. And people thought Moose's fucking blown off fingers were pretty cool. Like, it's just like such a throwaway thing that this man was thrown in prison for a murder he didn't commit. I think maybe you need to step down your expectations on a Fred Durst picture. Um, This was so much better than it should have been, and that the reviews, especially, could have suggested um this movie was like the movie that everyone wanted all the razzies for they wanted john travolta's head on a platter um i just don't Travol- i don't, travolta I don't see got it. two razzies in one year for this and another movie this was not only a good performance from him but also just an interesting character study i mean i here's the thing like with a movie like Joker, which is the same exact fucking plot as this movie in in many ways, um, there are all sorts of logical fallacies throughout. You honestly don't even know if anything from the halfway point of that movie on actually happened. Um, I wasn't caught up in the plot mechanics. I didn't expect a movie that started with um, uh, a a written story by credit from Fred Durst to really do anything that I would find interesting. I expected to allegedly based on a real life experience of Fred Durst (laughs) expected to, I expected to really throw up all over this movie and uh, I did not, I enjoyed it. Um, And it made for some laughs along the way, especially. And even in its most tense moments, like when we're at the point at which John Travolta has tied Devin Sawa up and is, going to torture and or kill him um there were still moments that were really funny and engaging just good character work in a framework of a movie we've seen like a hundred thousand times already yeah and you just get a you get a sense that fred durst is a movie fan in a way that i never had before yes and obviously sitting in the movie torium that you're currently in 
surrounded by hundreds of thousands of pieces of plastic trash uh, from movies, you would assume that this is an interest level for me. Yeah, no, Maybe I this came is in expecting this to give, like, I was not expecting to give this any more than, like, a two or three. I thought this was going to mm-hmm. be an absolute fucking disaster of a Same. movie that looked like garbage. It it didn't. It looked like a fucking movie. Like, there were some, there were some interesting fucking, uh, you know camera shifts that did some time shifts there were and i mean dude come on the the scene in this movie where devin sawas with his kid in the car i know i already played it i'm just gonna play the dialogue at the beginning <laughs> this again this is ridiculous um uh this is a uh, real life dialogue from this movie uh devin sawa and his kid when they get in the car and start driving you okay with some music you like a little limp biscuit sure. like a little biscuit yeah yeah it's loud I used to listen to this back in the day. This is hot. How? You know, Dan, how? What happened to Devin Sawa's voice? <laughs> Probably the same thing that happened to mine. <laughs> Trauma, baby! That um, dude has smoked 10,000 cigarettes. He looks like a, a catcher's mitt. <laughs> he is taut. Like, he needs, he's probably getting Botox and all sorts of shit. Dude, like, I need to do a deep dive into what he's been doing for the last 20 years because I remember him as quite a pretty young man. He always kind of had, like, a goblin face. Does that, does that track? He had, like, a little, like, he was a le- he was a leading man. He was yeah, not, he but was always not in the... like weird dark shit. Yeah, he wasn't like the dude who was like in uh, like she's all that. No. He was like the dude who was in like... bang bang your dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, um... I just was not expecting him to be so shredded. My God. Yeah, I mean that. Obviously, you're really latching on to that, but um. <laughs> I was really there for, like, the movie stuff. It was just a dorky movie. Yeah, but here's my question Dork to you. Because I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and, I, and I've and i seen all your movies, and I love your movies, and I, I, I think you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think your perception of this movie yeah. would be different if Fred Durst did not direct it? No. No? No. I mean, uh, the only... The only I'm not that big of a Limp Biscuit fan what to if this that day. Biscuit, like, what if that Limp Biscuit car scene happened and Fred Durst did not direct it? Then, I, then that car scene would have been bad, like uncomfortable. I would have been like, what the fuck is this now? <laughs> the fact that it was. I mean, that's honestly, that moment is the only moment where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a Fred Durst movie yeah, like, right. through and through. This is Fred Durst. But. The fucking balls on that guy to put that scene in the movie. Insane. But like, imagine, it felt like imagine that kind Devin Sawa getting the script. He's like reading. He's like, all right, here's my character. Here's my character. All right. It's like, all right, scene eight of uh, De- <laughs> interior car. <laughs> Hunter turns no, on they, the radio to reveal, the to reveal Limp Bizkit. That for sure was improv at the moment. And and Fred for sure had a real Limp Bizkit CD in his pocket. He's like, wait a minute, we could just use this. Yeah. Um, He's like, I know where we can get the rights. I wonder if he had to pay the rest of his band for that. That's Dude, a hundred percent. That was purely a way for Limp Bizkit to get royalties. Um. Um. Other than that, it wasn't as shameless as I expected. It had some tasteful moments in it, and it just. I mean. We haven't talked about uh, about um, there's an entire other subplot with completely unnecessary characters of these two fucking bullies who like pickpocket people on the Hollywood Boulevard. That was yeah. Well, one you of know, wh- one of which is Bill Paxton's kid. 
much like again joker again um taxi driver again all of those movies like everybody on the streets is like some kind of weird mean like horror movie type like just there to upset john travolta except yet again for the one elderly black man who's there to give him guidance the spiritual negrosity of that (laughs) character was and i'm telling you like it was that was embarrassing yeah so like um there's this guy his name is dick uh he's i would describe him as a a a security janitor of some kind (laughs) um for the hollywood strip yeah he's Um, just always he's omnipresent yeah and when john travolta does his whole poppycock thing around town uh he's like preventing him from getting bullied blah 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 uh, long story short he has this conversation with John Travolta where he's like, you can't let him push you around like that. You got to stand up for yourself. And, and John Travolta's like, oh, I should kill them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so like, that's his, his deal. And then next scene, John Travolta is um, confronted uh, with one of the guys from this crew um, and does stand up for himself, uh, which includes this moment, uh, one of my favorite freakouts in the whole movie. I wish Freddy Krueger would come and chop off your head, and it would roll in the street, and a truck would squish it, and the blood would splatter everywhere, and everyone would watch it. <laughs> As he's choking this man. Um, and um, so he stands up for himself, and then I shit you not, guys, like, 10 milliseconds after the scene this black guy comes from absolute nowhere he's just there to witness the whole thing he's like there you go standing up for yourself yeah. it was so Awful. it was like one, one literally one step away from having rob schneider there just going you can do it it was yeah. so absurd yeah if rob schneider was like a hundred year old extremely racist trope also, it's worth mentioning that, um, fuck, what's the woman's name again? Leah. Leah. Leah is so relentlessly willing to be John Travolta's friend in this movie. Sorry, Moose. That even after she comes to his house to try to help him and inform him that he's posting things on social media that will get him arrested, he fucking, like, throws her into a brick wall, and then she still is friends with him. Still. Well, what is she getting from this friendship, Dan? Uh, th- again, that's at that, all, that, that at is all, the weirdest every turn, part of the movie. He is ruining her life. She sneaks him into a party. He fucking yeah. throws a temper tantrum. And she's super mean to him, so it just like makes no sense. It's, I mean, th- again, weakest element, but a, a total of like 8 minutes of the entire movie is devoted to the two of them in the Yeah, but she's the narrator. <laughs> I, I I know, like again, like I I understand the movie written and directed by Fred Durst has some structural issues. <laughs> I'm here to tell you it's worth watching uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, Dan, um, would you like to move on to ratings before we do a uh, segment at the end? Okay. Um, okay, I'm going over to the ratings board. Okay. Here I, I go. Um, I'm going to reiterate that I went into this expecting to give it a two or a three, despite my love for all things Durst dare I say I will even give props to the latter Limp Bizkit album Gold Cobra there are some heaters on there um I'm going to give Fanatic um a 6.4 
Um, golden guns, that is. Golden Go- guns. Golden mooses. We never mentioned the golden gun rating system Golden anymore. moose. Um, I gave it a 6.9, but like I walked in wanting to give it a 7. I'll say that much. But <laughs> but within this conversation... we Wow! It's not even a fucking full point over what you gave it, so I, relax. I, I know just the... You've set out very lengthy standards yeah. about the difference between a 6.9 and yes. a 7. Like, I would rewatch this movie. I may buy this movie on Blu-ray. I enjoyed it a lot. Did they make this movie on Blu-ray? Yeah, I'm sure. If somewhere. there's a commentary track, I oh, will, oh God, I will for sure borrow that from you. Do not get me started if that's going to be a thing, because <laughs> I for sure will buy it immediately if that's the case, because yeah. I, uh, I would just do Fred by himself. I don't even need Travolta there. I, no, I will only listen to it if it's Fred by himself. <laughs> it's just Fred and West Borland. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like him being like, dude, why did you why did you do this? Fred's like, it wasn't money. What? Wes is like, thanks for throwing our track in there. I could use some money. <laughs> um, Wes has spent all of his fucking royalties on human skulls and costumes. And now to... Um, bad faith argue my way with a segment into proving this movie was good okay today's segment will be um uh, joker or the fanatic okay i should have said the joker or fanatic but you know you live you learn dan yeah all right love i'm going to read you a review from the rotten tomatoes site that nobody trusts anymore and never should have um, Dan is going to guess whether this is a review of the movie Joker or a review of the movie The Fanatic. Okay. I'm sure you've already read a bunch of Fanatic reviews. Just pretend as if you're surprised if these are any of them. <clears throat> the more I watched it, the more I disliked it. Just did not work for me. I hate this movie. Fanatic. Joker. Wow. Psychological thriller that might be compared with Martin Scorsese's King of Comedy. Fanatic. It is, in fact, the fanatic. <laughs> what fucking asshole wrote that? It's a disappointing film, only because it could have been so much better. Joker. Correct. A portrait that's more accurate than interesting in a tale that's grim but somewhat gutless. Fanatic. Correct. This movie had no stance at all. It hates everyone. It's a wretched, offensive pile of junk. Fanatic. <laughs> yes, that is the fanatic. <laughs> Nothing more than a shallow homunculus of better films. Joker. Joker. The, the previous one, the, this one hates everyone. That was from RogerEbert.com, right? I don't know. I, I don't attribute. That, I, that was the only review I read, and it was so fucking funny. It was like, <laughs> and above all else, it hates you, the viewer. <laughs> Cinema is dead. Here is your proof. Fanatic. Joker. What? The story is completely shallow, and there's nothing new in it. Joker. The Fanatic. For its entire runtime, we are forced into alignment with a monster. And not only that, it wants us to unrepentingly, unrepentantly side with him. It feels hyperbolic to say that this results in a terrible sense of inescapable unease when watching, but it's the truth. Joker. Correct. This film has contempt for both its characters and the audience. Fanatic. That is the Fanatic. Dan, you did really good on that one. I love fucking joker yeah i i love but the word love is right above a line that in certain seasons could sink into just really like and i also haven't felt compelled to rewatch it more than once 
That's true, but I I just I don't understand the malice for that movie and I don't give half a fuck about Todd Phillips. That movie I thought was great. It's such a stretch for me to give a shit about any movie in that universe of properties at all and I enjoyed the shit out of it. Like yes, it was formulaic. Yes, it's a amalgam of a bunch of movies that have been done before. But fuck Joaquin crushes that movie. Yeah, I mean, again, same kind of movie, same kind of thing where it's just like, I don't give a shit about so many of the things that bother me, about so many of the other things that bother other people about Joker. I just like Joaquin Phoenix and like watching him act his fucking dick off. Yeah. And I think Robert De Niro's good in it. And... You like in The Master. <sighs> just like in The Master. Dan, any final thoughts? Um, I feel like everyone should give an earnest re-listen to Limp Bizkit's catalog. Okay, all right, move it along, <laughs> you fucking snake oil salesman. Um, <laughs> cheer! Um, <laughs> um, all I, right. I would assume that whatever Partner, comes next keep is on rolling, baby. Probably going to be the season finale. You know what time it is. It's season finale time. Oh, fuck, really? So our next get-together, uh, we will record what will be the end of season four, and then I'm thinking season five um, will just open up and maybe just never end. And season five, boy, do we have some fucking heaters <laughs> already planned. Just saying, Movie Blues Rental Zone birthday party coming in December. Oh. Oh my God! You are not doing this. Three right of now. you at best are invited, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's the three people that are listening. So to Aaron, Ange, and um, Aaron, maybe Dylan. It's still he up in have the, the air, internet, but <laughs> Andre, you're there. Oh my God! Is has Andre ever been to a birthday party? Seems like <laughs> and a person who's just been to only funerals. Well, I want him to come and write me a dissertation about like the cultural impact of the concept of birthdays. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about Andre a lot in this next episode, bud. Um, Matrix 4, coming 2022. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next season, we're going to be covering the Matrix trilogy. So if you like um, movies The quadrilogy. That, if you like movies that you've seen, then uh, head on Then over. you're finally ready to listen to this <laughs> podcast. We're coming for... We're finally... It took a while to figure out, but yeah. we're going to tap into the market of people who have seen any of the movies that we're talking about. We're also going to do a little reboot for next season where I'm... Because we have the new mixer and our sound's at its best right now, we're just going to pretend like we're meeting for the first time. So so people, you know, they don't feel like they've missed any of the repertoire. Yeah, so we can repartee. go back to some old segments. We can do some fucking uh, Dan on Dan, Dan, crime. On Dan crime. We can do some uh, movie shootouts. We're tired of the pandemic and we're going back to our roots next season. And that's that. Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm tired of this fucking new normal. I'm going back to the old normal. Yeah, Dan and I are going to share the same chair. You fucking Cuck shills, baby.